inside for Mazzoli. Throws over Mill Banks. Reaching out for the ball. He is gone. Brandon Banks. Touchdown, Hamilton. Down and into the midst of Willie Jefferson. Goodbye, Willie. We enter week 14 in the Canadian Football League. Welcome to CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Canada-wide, I'm Andy McNamara. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. So much to get to. The post-Labor Day rematches are in the books. The march to the Grey Cup officially is on. Of course, folks, you know we're delivered by Domino's, all right? Yeah, get yourself a medium feast pizza loaded for just $10.99. You want something bigger? They got that too. Side dishes, boneless chicken, pasta, marbled cookie, brownie for dessert. It's irresistible. Try it. Go to dominoes.ca today. That's dominoes.ca. Great program for you. There were so many transactions, signings, trades, injuries. I had to go to my guy, my insider, Dave Naylor from TSN, to just try to lock everything in and get on track. So Dave Naylor is going to join me in about 10 minutes' time. After that, CFL power rankings, CFL fantasy tips, everything is is up for grabs this week as we head into the short week, just three games. So tsn.ca Scott Cullen joins me as always. And behind the helmet, the red-hot running back for the Hamilton Ticats, Alex Green. Dude is a man possessed overall the past few weeks. So Alex Green stops by in behind the helmet and my game picks as well. Also got a Twitter poll question for you people. Okay, as I said, now that we're past the Labor Day, we're past the rematches, it's time to start thinking big picture. Playoffs, Grey Cup, MOP. So, now that we're all through this, as of right now, who is your most outstanding player at this point in the season? You can vote on Twitter at AndyMC81, at AndyMC81. It's our Domino's Canada CFL Weekly Show Poll. Which of these players is is your most outstanding player at this point in the season. And if you got somebody else, tweet me in. That's fine, at AndyMC81. But I chose Jeremiah Masoli for the Hamilton Ticats. Another 300-plus yard game, four touchdowns. Mike Riley for the Edmonton Eskimos. All the dude does is put up massive numbers. Bo Levi Mitchell threw for almost 500 yards over the weekend. Or the only non-quarterback on my list, Andrew Harris of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And he, with the inconsistent quarterback play, has been a huge part. The, the Really, the main part to keep the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in contention, already over 1,000 all-purpose yards and nine touchdowns. So, is it Masoli? Is it Mitchell? Is it Riley? Or is it Harris? Vote at AndyMC81 on Twitter, and we'll get to some of those poll results a little bit later on in the show. But you know what? There's a lot of news and notes. Let's get to it. It's time for Three Downs on CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara. Bringing you inside the largest headlines around the Canadian Football League. First down. And in first down, we go to the performers of the week. Now, I mentioned Mike Riley. Oh, man. Like that with 48-42 winners over the Stampeders. Came back, scored six touchdowns. Six. Three in the air. Three on the ground. 397 passing yards. 30 for 44 and had 43 rushing yards. Mike Riley absolutely does it all. No doubt a performer of the week. And that's also why he's in our most outstanding player poll. After that, his weapon, Duke Williams. Man, like Darrell Walker goes down, right? You think, okay, well, now more focus is going to be on Duke Williams. Duke Williams says, bring it on, man. Touchdown, set a new career single game high. 172 receiving here. Not a problem. 
Not a problem. Two catches of over 30 yards as well. Just outstanding. And the final performer of the week, Brandon Banks of the Hamilton Ticats. Winners, they sweep the Argos. And Banks, really, he's been a rock star this season. Kept it going in that victory over Toronto. 153 receiving yards, six catches, two TDs. Certainly have to give an honorable mention as well to his quarterback, Jeremiah Masoli, who threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns. The CFL on TSM panel raised an interesting question. Who's the more valuable player for Hamilton? Rod Smith starts us off. Let's talk about Week 13 now as we huddle up with Jock Climey, Davis Sanchez, and Milt Stiegel. Who's the most outstanding player on the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Davis? Is it Jeremiah Mazzoli or Brandon Banks? This is a quarterback-driven league, so there's no doubt I'm giving it to Brandon Banks just because I'm sick of quarterbacks <laughs> getting all the love, and Speedy is doing come, his come, thing. Come on, Chad. I love come what on. Speedy's doing. Come on. I, I, I love, love, what, I love he, what he's I, doing. I love what he's doing also, but come on. It's Jeremiah Mazzoli. You think about it, 9 and 11 games, <laughs> over 300 yards, and who's throwing Speedy the ball? Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli. I'm with you. <clears throat> I, I think what Speedy B is doing, uh, this is an ex-special teamer who has 1,000 yards just past Labor Day. Th- what he's done this season so far is nothing short of spectacular seven mm. touchdowns and wow. it all started about labor day one year ago for brandon banks the receiver second down all right in second down can we just take a moment here to appreciate the majesty that was the eskimo stampede shootout like edmonton's 48 42 win over calgary that encompassed all that is good in the cfl if you're like hey what's cfl football someone asks you you're like watch that game that's how fun that is. But an interesting note out of this one is whether the previous near-indestructible Stampeders are vulnerable in the West now at 9-2 and two after that loss and the Eskies coming out hot. The CFL and TSN panel, led by Rod Smith, discuss, and he begins with Jock Climbing. Well, let's go higher up the standings to number one. Calgary Stampeders are still there. They still have a four-point lead over the two teams, the only two that have beaten so far this year, Saskatchewan and Edmonton. Can the Stamps be caught? I don't see it. This is the Calgary Stampeders. I know they've had some injuries. I know they've got some challenges. But the Stampeders never seem to lose momentum when the season's on the line. Nobody will catch them. There has to be some concern. You think about those two losses, that defense. I know it wasn't all on the defense, but they gave up over 40 points both of those games, 40 points and over 40 points. So there's some concern right there. I know there's only two losses, but there has to be Don't some concern. Don't be concerned for Calgary. Yeah, with, without Kamar Jor, without Eric Rogers, yes, they still have weapons, but they're missing two of the guys that are Bo's security blanket he feels most comfortable with. You see in big situations. Reggie Begleton has obviously become his guy right now with DD, but I think they missed those two guys. There's a chance the Edmonton Eskimos Woo! can catch. And it just so happens next up for the Stampeders, little visit to Brandon Banks, Jeremiah Mazzola, That's going to be a game. Tiger Cats in That's Week 14. That's Huddle Up. Third down. And finally on third down, it's which loss was more devastating? Which really sweep, Labor Day and post-Labor Day, was more devastating to which team? The Toronto Argos or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers both sliding Argos in last behind the Montreal Alouettes. Who the heck thought we'd be saying that? And the Blue Bombers slipping greatly as they are. They need answers. They are, are, are just slipping and sliding. But which sweep, which Labor Day sweep, 
was more devastating. Rod Smith begins the discussion on the CFL panel with Milt Stiegel. Hey, Milt, so the Argos got swept in their Labor Day home and homer. So did Winnipeg against Saskatchewan. Which one of those sweeps was the most devastating? I got to oh. go with my Bombers. That, 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 that was a heartbreaker right there. You think about it now, BC is only two points behind them. Uh. If Winnipeg loses again and BC wins a couple of games, Winnipeg is out of a playoff spot, so that was devastating it's for the It's not what's most devastating to you, Milt. That wasn't <laughs> the question. It's to the football teams, including the Toronto Argos. They've now dropped in the last place. They are four points out of a playoff spot behind they were already Winnipeg in last crossover. Place. Yeah. To me, it's Winnipeg because of the expectations. It was mm. great cup or bust for this team. Yes. They look, looking at this roster, the defensive additions, this is uh, definitely Winnipeg. All right, so there you go. That is three downs for you. Remember, vote on the Twitter poll at AndyMC81. Who is your CFL most outstanding player at this point in the season at AndyMC81? Is it Jeremiah Masoli? Is it Mike Riley? Is it Bo Levi Mitchell? Or is it Andrew Harris? After the break, I swing around the whole league. So much to get to with TSN football insider Dave Naylor. That is next on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Welcome back to CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Andy McNamara with you on Twitter at AndyMC81. Folks, remember, we're delivered by Domino's. Get yourself a medium feast pizza for just $10.99. Delicious side dishes. Check out all the great deals at Domino's.ca. Let's bring in my guy, TSN football insider Dave Naylor, to talk about the push to the playoffs, the post-Labor Day rematches, and all the transactions going on. Dave, how are you? Very well, Andy. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, Dave. There's almost too much stuff to get to. Every time you refresh Twitter, there's a team trading for somebody, signing somebody, and injury. Let's let's start with uh, for the Tie Cats adding two veteran receivers to the practice roster. You have Marque McDaniel coming back, and also the flying Hawaiian Chad Owens. What do you make of those two signings in Tigertown? Well, they're obviously precipitated by the injuries to Jalen Saunders and Chris Williams, and I know that you know Hamilton. Talked about Devere Posey. You know, I, I don't think they were active. I don't think they ever made an offer for him, you know, before he ended up going to BC. And, and it may have been just they had the sense that he was going a different direction. But, you know, I, I think they explored some trades. And I think they also, you know, the other possibility here is the fact that we've, we've heard it's a little harder to get guys off your negotiation list maybe to come because of the presence of the Alliance League that's coming in February. We've heard a lot of, I've heard certainly a lot of people say that, you know, that because there's an option, a lot of players want to check out that option. And, um, you know, it may be a little easier to go to CFL veterans than it is to get a guy if you're negligent. Now that also, I guess that's just my speculation on that, okay. putting two and two together. But the other part of it is, of course, the Ticats see themselves as a now team. You know, they see themselves as a team that can make a run to the Great Cup. And they, by bringing in a Mark Wade McDaniel, by bringing in a Chad Owens, 
they have guys who, if you go back far enough, in McDaniel's case, played for the organization before, played for the Ticats. Owen did, of course, just a couple of years ago. But guys who are familiar with the CFL game, you know, there isn't, that shouldn't take a lot to integrate into their team. While you know it's going to be new teammates and new scheme, you know, the CFL game is not new. So I think that's part of this as well. It's just sort of the now factor for the Ticats on this. Right. And yeah, if you get those two guys fresh come playoff time or, or a push, you know, and, and they're not worn down from a season, if they flash a little bit, then that's a bonus too. Right. So yeah, those guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now you mentioned Debbie or Posey and uh, Naylor, that was a, a big snag for the BC lions because there was rumors. Okay. The Argos could get him back, but the lions, they were short at receiver. You also get Chris Rainey, who's going to be put back in the lineup. All of a sudden, the BC Lions, and okay, Posey might take a couple weeks to get reacclimated to the, the Canadian game, but you have two weapons like that with Travis Lule, who's also practicing with the first team after getting knocked out. The BC Lions could be a team to watch in the West. I think we all figured that you know, the Lions were going to be a team that might take a while to find their way. You know, Having spoken to Ed Hervey, their general manager, not that long ago, he talked about, you know, having seen his team kind of gel and just see the communication and the, the team building that he was hoping would, would kind of uh, kick in, you know, partway through the season. He was starting to see those things, and he felt very optimistic about it. Now, obviously, losing Manny Arsenal was a big blow to them, and that's why they go out and get DeVere Posey, who's, you know, was the Toronto Argonauts wanted back. You know, they very right. much felt like he was a good fit for them based on what he'd done with the Argos the last couple of years. But I think one of the factors for Posey to go to BC was just you know, looking at the receiving units and where he would slot in. That with Toronto having already signed Deron Carter, you know, having Armani Edwards, having SJ Green, that whereas when it came to BC, you know, he thought he could slot in higher probably behind Brian Burnham as their number two option. So you know, he signed a contract just for the rest of the year. He's going to be looking to sign a significant deal in the CFL this offseason. So I think it was a priority for him to go somewhere where he felt he was going to see the ball coming his way a lot. But, yeah, the Lions have, you know, the Lions have not been a bad team this year. They've enough to get beat. You know, and either the game in Toronto, you know, stands out as, as like that. Um, so, yeah, it's not like the other their game early in the season when they got beat in Winnipeg in Edmonton. They've been, they've been pretty consistent week in and week out. In conversation with Dave Naylor, TSN Football Insider on Twitter, at TSN Dave Naylor. Let's swing over to the Toronto Argonauts here. And uh, another deal, they send Martise Jackson out to Edmonton in a future 2020 pick for a third-round pick. How does does that deal make sense for the Argonauts, Dave? Is this just uh, accruing an extra draft pick for a guy that they maybe had lost some confidence in? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that we saw... Jerron Carter returning punts yeah. on Saturday against the Hamilton Tiger Cats was, you know, sort of a, uh, an indication of this. Um, you know, he hasn't had the impact that, that he had last year. And that, of course, you've got Dexter McCluster, right. uh, who the Argonauts signed and would come into that role as well. And presumably he's ready to come off injury relatively soon. So I think it's a combination of things. You know, again, Carter gives him an option there. McCluster, if he's healthy, could do that as well. And uh, look, I, you know, this is picking up a draft pick is always helpful, but I think the Argonauts are still, you know, thinking about this season, even though at three and eight, it's slipping away from them. And mm-hmm. boy, you look at their schedule ahead, you know, by week this week, then Saskatchewan coming into town, you know, on a win streak and playing very tough, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Then they go at Calgary where nobody ever wins, it seems. And then they go at DC, which is always a tough place 
for teams from the Eastern Conference. So you know, that was a huge win for the Ticats on Saturday and a huge loss for the Toronto Argonauts. And I, I think the frustrating thing from their perspective is both of those games you know, were there to be had in the second half. Yeah. Both the Labor Day game where they led and on Saturday in the follow-up where you know, they were within striking distance for most of the second half. And when your season's on the line and you've got two games in a row that were you know, at least winnable, if you were in position to win them in the second half and you come out on the wrong side you know, pretty definitively by the time it was all said and done, now, those are very disappointing losses for the Argonauts, and you have to expect that there would be changes, and Martise Jackson is the first of those. And I wonder, Dave, as you said, Argo's in a bye week. Coming out, when Deron Carter gets onto the field, his original start date uh, when he first joined the team, I wonder how much he is going to be utilized and leaned on as a weapon. Because as you said, at 3-8, and eight, all of a sudden the East is flipped. Uh, just It's totally wide open. And the Argos tied record-wise with the Alouettes, who looked like they couldn't buy a win earlier in the year. How much of a factor do you think Jerron Carter will and needs to be for that Argos offense? Yeah, sign me up for people that did not expect that uh, <laughs> by the second week of September, the Argonauts and the Alouettes would have the same number of victories. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a turnabout. You know, I mean, the Great Cup, the defending Great Cup champs, who you figure, you know, again would make some improvements and some changes, and and they really weren't a great team last year. They just got hot at the right time. But uh, look, I, I, you know, the Alouettes are still a long way from being a great team, but at least they're going in the right direction. They're improving of late, and the Argonauts are not. Uh, look, I, I think Carter could be a factor, but I think you know we saw in Mark Tressman, he's going to be cautious with this and. He's not going to lean on one guy, and he's not going to overuse him. You know, it, Trustman, I think we saw his caution even in playing Deron Carter. You know, that he had two targets, and he was on the field for, you know, about 10 plays, I guess, on offense, and they used him on punt return. So I still expect I, – look, I know he's impressed by the way Deron Carter has conducted himself since he got to Toronto. I know he thinks he's a, a very cerebral, smart football player, which is maybe not what people think of with Duran right away because, you know, the, the personality and the character and some of the outlandishness grabs the attention. But I know that's one of the things that has struck Mark Tressman about him. So, I, you know, I, they, they have clicked. Uh, but I, I still think this is going to be, you know, a, a situation where he won't lean too heavily on him just because Tressman's system tends to be very complicated. It tends to be very detailed. And, and I don't know if you're going to see Duran Carter, you know, on the field all the time at receiver, even next week after they come off the bye. Dave, can you make heads or tails of the Ottawa Red Blacks? Like, it seems like just when you think you haven't figured out one way or the other, good or bad, they come back the other way and just swing up. Like, coming out of that bye two weeks ago against Montreal, you're thinking, okay, <laughs> you know, let, let's wrap this one up. They're going to run away with the East. All right, they get shocked by that. Then the BC Lions, they beat them. And now, all of a sudden, the Ticats have creeped up. They're playing at full force. And what looked to be a locked-up East division for Ottawa is now totally up for grabs. Like, I, I don't quite know what, what the Ottawa Red Blacks are right now. It's, it's absolutely true. And, and I think that starts with, with the way they play their quarterback, Trevor Harris, who is you know, a lot of people talk about as being kind of in that next tier, mm-hmm. you know, a guy who's, who's certainly shown the ability to be a big-time passer in this league and, and, a, and a dominant player but hasn't shown it week in and week out. And, and that's kind of the theme of what we've seen from him this season. And you know, there were the two Calgary games, of course, where, you know, you're playing against the toughest defense in the league. And, but now the, the, the Montreal game was surprising. And again, that's an improving team, but for them to lose 
to Montreal at home. I don't think people saw that coming. And then the BC Lions, it was just kind of a blah game. They just mm. never really got on track. And it, look, the teams have a lot of trouble going out there and playing at 10 Eastern time. Uh, if you look at the history of the, of teams from the Eastern time zone, going to Vancouver and kicking off and then playing when their body clocks say it's one in the morning. Yeah. Uh, it's not very good. Um, and in fact, that, you know, I think that it's an issue for, that the league has to kind of look at sometimes because, you know, it, you can say it works the other way. Sometimes the Lions are playing at 10 in the morning on a 1 p.m. kickoff occasionally, but you know, that, that's just one factor in it. But I, I, I share your kind of confusion about the Red Blacks. And I really thought, that going into their bye a few weeks ago, if you looked at the distribution of the football there, it had gone from less of a just, you know, Ellingson and Sinopoli team to where you saw Deontay Spencer getting more touches. You saw Dominique Rimes getting more touches. You saw RJ Harris getting more touches or targets, excuse me, and all those. And those guys were starting to sort of round out the receiving core. And, I, and that really looked like they were ready to take off uh, just because, again, they weren't so reliant always on Ellingson and Sinopoli. And yet, you know, things have really gone in reverse direction. But they are, they are absolutely a, a very difficult team to figure out. You, you know, you, 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 when you watch them, you, you, you kind of anticipate they might win by 25 or they might lose yeah. by 25. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Dave, one more for you here. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, quarterback controversy. Matt Nichols, so good a year ago, had that injury and, and has really not gotten back on track. And the cries for Chris Strebler coming in. Winnipeg on the bye week. Come week 15, what do you think we're going to see under center for the Blue Bombers? Yeah, I bet they go back to Matt Nichols, but I think we're past the point where, you know, they can operate out of loyalty or belief yeah. in a guy. Like the Bombers have lost four in a row here, right? they got to get and going. This yeah. is this is critical time, and the, and the playoffs are starting to become in doubt. So, you know, I, I think while no team wants to embrace a quarterback controversy or a quarterback change for a guy – who's been very good for them, but he's not the same player he was a year ago. I mean, you look at last year, you know, Matt Nichols threw eight interceptions all season. I mean, you look at his first half, you know, and there were some, there could have, it could have been worse than it was. And that, as bad as that first half was, it could have been worse in some instances. So, you know, you, you look at that and say, it's hard to figure out what's going on with him. Like, is he healthy? That would be the first question. Right. And it just seems like as the attention has kind of gone on to him, starting with his comments about being booed when he came out of the field in the fourth quarter, which was a game, by the way, that he threw for 291 yards, two touchdowns and one interception and had a you know 67% completion percentage. So, like, that wasn't really the start of his struggles. No. When he got booed coming back in late in the game, it really started the next week, you know, when they played Calgary. But – it just feels like as the pressure has mounted and the attention on him has has kind of focused, you know, his play has just got worse and worse and worse. And I, look, I, I expect the just knowing the nature of, of you know the way they do things, I, I would expect they may stick with him. But I don't think they have any choice to go in another direction if it looks like Nichols doesn't have it because Strebler has you know, shown lots of potential when he started. You know, he's looked decent when he's gone in mm -hmm. in other roles. And, you know, he just has a bit of an energy around him that certainly Matt Nichols right now, in terms of his body language and just the way he, he looks on the field, is lacking. So, yeah, this is – look, the Bombers had big expectations for this season. And they felt, I think, like they were meeting those early on in the year. They're trying to climb up into that top rung in the West Division. Now, all of a sudden, the conversation you know, has shifted about can they hang on to a playoff spot. 
Boy, it's going to be a fun push to the playoffs and march to the Grey Cup. Uh, Dave, thank you, as always, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure, Andy. There he goes. Football insider from TSN, a must-follow if you're a CFL or NFL fan. Dave Naylor on Twitter, at TSN. Dave Naylor. We'll step aside after the break. Time for some power rankings post-Labor Day rematch. How are things shaking up around the league? And also some CFL fantasy tips coming up with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. That is next on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Welcome back to CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Andy McNamara with you on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. And we're delivered by Domino's, folks. You know it. Get a marbled cookie brownie for dessert. How about a loaded medium feast pizza for just $10.99? Check out all the great deals at Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. Let's get into some power rankings. Oh, my. Post-Labor Day, this is going to be interesting. And some CFL fantasy tips with TSN.ca. Scott Collins. Scotty, how's it going? Good, Andy. How are we doing today? Oh, I'm I'm doing well. I, I'm like this is so, so typical CFL in a good way. Just when you think you got everything figured out, it's all upside down. The Montreal Alouettes are on a winning streak. The Red Blacks can't score points. The Argos are in last, and uh, you, you know the West is completely up in the air as well outside of Calgary. Like the your power rankings when they come out on TSN.ca just have to be like <laughs> Calgary and then just a clump, I guess, right? <laughs> Well, that's what it is. It's <laughs> one, a clump, and then Montreal and Toronto. And that's, right, that's right. Where we're, where we are is oh. that. Um, is Toronto and, last and, now? I mean, we we we've kind of seen that throughout the season. I mean, yeah. it didn't take long to establish that Calgary was the, you know, the team to beat. But it, it's almost been ridiculous how um, how difficult it's been for any of the other teams to gain real traction. You know, like we've we've got Saskatchewan on a bit of a run uh, right now, and Edmonton's had their moments, but boy, like you know, you're looking at a team that's seven and five and going, oh wow, they've uh, <laughs> they're really taking hold here, and and it, it's tough. You know, like it, you just have so many of these teams who are kind of hovering in that 500 range that, um, you know, I guess the, the good news, and as you say, this is maybe typical of the CFL, is you, there's still time, um, you know, to to make a difference here. Uh, down the stretch and so you know for example if you're a team like Hamilton that you know it's kind of been mediocre uh, overall but starting to put some a few wins on the board you know that they could finish strong and and yeah kind of be much more impressive by season's end uh, than what we've seen so far sure and just look at what the defending Grey Cup champion Argos did last year they didn't have a great regular season they came Mm -hmm. on strong at the right time and made a push. And when you look at Hamilton and Ottawa now, Scotty, with the way Hamilton's been playing and the last two weeks, the Red Blacks regressing, is, has Hamilton jumped over the Red Blacks now at the same record to you, or are they still kind of a, a little bit yeah. underneath? No, I, th- I think Hamilton has um, has pulled ahead. And, and, I mean, this is, you know, as <laughs> we, we lamented for so long this season that Hamilton, they put up all this yardage and couldn't score. Well, they found their way to the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. You know that you know Jeremiah Mazzoli, uh, who is kind of famous for 300-yard passing games and then like one touchdown and one interception. <laughs> um, you know, has you know, I think he's thrown seven touchdown passes in the past couple of weeks. Well, you know, your game is a whole lot different when you start punching that ball into the end zone. So that's that's where I am with Hamilton is that the, the touchdowns have finally started to uh, to catch up to the yardage, and the yardage has been impressive all along. So uh, I think they've. 
they've moved up to be the the top team in the East, and this is also you know, kind of in conjunction with Ottawa uh, suddenly struggling. You know that um, not that they were world beaters earlier in the season, but uh, the past couple of weeks, you know, really uh, running into some hard times uh, that has sort of opened the door even more for Hamilton to um, to take over. And we mentioned Calgary being so good, but of course the Edmonton Eskimos, we talk about inconsistency and, and really on paper having everything there to take a big step, even with the uh, uh, Darrell Walker injury, to, to be a dominant offense. Boy, Scotty, sometimes you just sit back and you're like, oh yeah, this is why people love the CFL 48-42. <laughs> My yeah. goodness. It was like 491 yards for Bo Levi Mitchell. Like just, just as a whole, power rankings aside, just as a whole. How, mm-hmm. how fun was that game just to watch? Like, that was cool. Well, yeah, and, um, you know, the fact that, I mean, because scoring, you know, hap- happens kind of so regularly is that, you know, Edmonton looked like they had that game kind of chilled out, right? They had a, a comfortable lead going into the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden Edmonton stopped scoring, uh, and Calgary starts roaring back and, you know, gets a chance at the end zone at the end of the game. Like, that's that's kind of high drama for a game that, you know, through three quarters looked like it was, uh, it was well in hand. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that is, I guess, sort of the, 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 I don't know if it's necessarily the best version of the CFL, but maybe the most entertaining version of the CFL is when, um, you know, teams are just marching back and forth up and down the field and scoring like that. Um, you know, Calgary almost had 600 yards in offense in that game. Um, you know, and, like you say, Bo Levi Mitchell had 491 passing. Romar Morris, who um, you know has been productive when they, when they've uh, needed him at, at running back, scores four touchdowns on on a dozen <laughs> touches. Like that's an incredible, incredible game. Um, so, but you know, this is it. It shouldn't come as a big surprise that Edmonton could, could do this, that they can beat Calgary. I mean, they lost by three in Calgary the week mm-hmm. before. Yeah. You know that's a close enough game that you can see Edmonton winning on on their home field. But you know after three quarters, you it wasn't just a win on home field. Like they were they were kind of sending a message. And so I think you know if if uh, and this is apparently a big if based on how we've gone so far this season. But if uh, the Eskimos can kind of hold it together down the stretch, that they're going to be a legitimate challenger to the Stampeders. And uh, I'm, I'm sure at some points this year it didn't look like anybody uh, was going to be able to challenge St. Peter's. But I think Edmonton, you know, all along, I've sort of had higher expectations for them than their record. Uh, but, you know, when you see them taken to Calgary in a game like that, you know, you, you could envision, um, you know, what, what kind of uh, playoff game you might see between those teams and that it's at least possible for Edmonton to win. Scotty, if I were to say I'm going to give you a million dollars, if you could have predicted, <laughs> if I could, if you could I'm, predict, I'm worried about this already, Andy. <laughs> if I could, say, if I, you get a million bucks if you predict the leading receiver in for the Calgary Stampeders in this game. Um, <laughs> how, how often would you have guessed Reggie Begleton? It sounds like a butler. Well, what? Like it sounds like a, a, a very nice English butler who. <laughs> You know, is serving tea. Reggie Bagleton went off for 153 receiving yards after his previous high was 60. What the heck yeah. happened there? Oh, well, it is. It's it's, um, and I think we've discussed even at times this year about how the Stamps have been really good at spreading the ball around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Durant has has been really good, and Eric Rogers, when he was healthy, kind of seemed like the um, you know the lead guy. But you know, when those guys get hurt, 
that doesn't really tend to slow them down so much. And so, yes, you end up with a game where, all right, uh, Reggie Begleton uh, goes for seven catches and 153 yards that, you know, how how do you, um, you know, how do you uh, expect Edmonton to, to stop him? Like I, not, not, not that, Oh, there's no way they could, but it's like, well, their game plan obviously wasn't to stop Reggie Begleton. (laughs) You know, you're, you're, you're focusing on some other guys, right? you know, between Reggie Begleton and, and Romar Morris, um, you know, suddenly Edmonton is clinging to a lead uh, in that game. So, but they, I mean, this is, I think, part of the strength of, of Calgary is that they've, you know, they've kind of found ways that uh, it's next man up for them. You know, whenever they need um, some somebody else to kind of take over, have a, a bigger role, uh, it's been working that, that, you know, one week it's Lamar Grant, another week it's Varys Daniels, and this week it's Reggie Bagleton. Uh, I don't know how many more times we'll say that this year, but certainly it was this past week. <laughs> So, Scotty, that being said, if we're looking at the CFL fantasy game, it's one of those tricky, light weeks, only three games, so obviously the player pool gets Brutal. cut down. Yeah, I hate the three-game week. Me too, right? <laughs> like, it just it just limits it. But that being said, uh, are you are you slotting in Romar Morris and Reggie Bagleton? Like, 4,600-plus for, for Romar, uh, 3,500 for, for old Reggie there. Like, is that – are those I'll, value I'll plays? I'll slot in Romar as long as, he, as long as he's playing. And the, prob- the problem that I've had at various times this year is that I think, oh, okay, I'll give Romar Morris a, a shot, and all of a sudden their guy Don Jackson comes back. Yeah. And like, ah, and we don't know. Yeah. You, you always have to pay attention to, to the roster here. But uh, I think, you know, given um, – you know, hope, hopefully given Morris's performance last week, he has – uh, a shot, but I guess, you know, always keep in mind that if if Jackson is ready to return, that he he may have uh, priority for the Stampeders. So that like those are the kinds of things where you really have to watch as the week goes on, um, so that you know, um, you know, you ha- you haven't found a, a bargain guy who's suddenly not going to play. Exactly, and that's that's always the frustrating part. And sometimes it's right up to game time, and you go, oh man. But I, I, you know what, Scott? I'm going to take a flyer on Reggie. I got a feeling, man. I'm taking a flyer. <laughs> You're going back to back with Reggie. I back hear it. to back. Bagleton's in the morning, baby. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now what about Devier Posey here? Signing with the BC Lions. We know the talent this guy has, but new team. How much is he going to play? He's returning, right? Like that's we know he's going to be a, should be a big part of that BC Lions offense, especially with Travis Lule practicing and looking like he's going to start. Are you waiting a week on Posey just to see how he fits into that offense? Uh, probably. Uh, and I say that at like I've agonized over to get Posey yeah. because the price is right. You know, it's like a little over 3800 bucks yeah. for a guy who you know is, is certainly uh, capable of being very productive in the CFL. Um, you just don't know how quickly uh, he, you know, is accommodated into into the BC offense, and I mean, I think there's there's certainly room for him. You know, like Ricky Collins Jr. had a big game for uh, for the Lions this past week, but like with Emmanuel Arsenal out, you know, there's um, sort of a vacancy there. That uh, and whether it's Collins or, or Kevin Elliott, or you know, in this case, I think Posey Posey probably long term is the the best option. Uh, the question is, how quickly does he? Um, get assimilated into that offense and, and get some results. And now obviously the temptation is that this week they play Montreal. And so, yep. you know, maybe, maybe that's a, um, you know, we, we talk about how that gets teams healthy all the time is playing the, the Alouettes and, and maybe that's an easy way to get Posey into the lineup and, and you know, even find them uh, in the end zone. Uh, if you get a, if you're BC and you get a chance to, to beat up on, on the Alouettes. So um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm holding off on Posey for a week, but 
I, I've, I've agonized over it because that value is tempting. Yeah, well, and, and the thing is, too, Scotty, now can we even just bank on the Alouettes sucking? They've won two in a row. Like, now there's not even a gimme. I know, gimme. I know. Right? That, that's the tough part. Like, and did you ever think you'd see the day where Antonio Pipkin is a higher fantasy buy than Johnny Manziel? Like, now Johnny's out with the flu. Like, come on, man. What are we doing here, Johnny? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy that they've actually dropped Manziel's price a little. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they 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 were they were clinging to I believe seven thousand there for mm-hmm. a while, and, and and we kept finding all these guys who were actually playing that were uh, that were uh, cheaper. So um, yes, and and now here's the thing is I I can't bring myself to to take Pipkin at his bargain no. price or no. uh, or so on like. Given you have one quarterback slot, I'm kind of prepared to pay this week, and and whether that's Mazzoli or Mitchell uh, at the high end, I'm I'm just kind of prepared to do it because I want somebody who's going to put up numbers and, and instead of you know running the risk. Like you know, as, as nice as it is that Pipkins won a couple of games, he hasn't put up huge numbers, and, that, and if you you throw him out there and, and and get you know very little from your quarterback spot, well, then you really have to make it up in in the other. Uh, in the other areas, and that's that's tough on on a week when there's only three games. And, and that's it. You almost want to go more of the safe route. Um, and Mansoli and, and Mitchell, those are kind of the two best options from a consistency standpoint. So, well, Scotty, it's going to be fun. So we'll uh, we'll watch these three and get back at it next week. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Thank you, Andy. There he is, Scott Cullen from TSN.ca, a must-follow on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen. Check out all his great work on TSN.ca, statistically speaking, for all the sports, but CFL power rankings, fantasy tips, everything you you want, everything you need, TSN.ca with Scott Cullen. We're going to step aside to Tiger Town. we go after the break. It'll be Alex Green, stud running back for the Hamilton Ticats. He joins me behind the helmet next on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Back to wrap up CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Andy McNamara with you. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Instagram at AndyMCSports. If you missed any of the show, no problem. We'll have it uploaded to the show page section of your local TSN radio station. So you just go there, go under shows. You scroll down, see CFL Weekly. It's also on iTunes, and I'll also have the link up uh, on Twitter at AndyMC81 and Instagram at AndyMCSports. So we got you all covered getting ready for week number 14 poll update here posted that our domino's canada show poll don't forget visit dominoes.ca folks medium feast pizza just 10.99 but our domino's canada show poll at andy mc81 now that we're into the playoff push to the great cup who is your cfl most outstanding player at this point in the season jeremiah masoli mike riley bo levi mitchell or andrew harris Leader so far is Mike Riley. So you can keep voting there at AndyMC81. Who is your CFL most outstanding player at this point in the season? And of course, hey, if you got somebody else in mind, just tweet me. Put it right there in the tweet. We can have a chat about it. Behind the helmet time. Alex Green. What a sensation he has been for the Hamilton Tiger Cats overall this year. He has been an absolute beast. And I got to catch up with him behind the helmet. My next guest has been on a tear through the CFLs, the touchdown scoring bulldozer running back Alex Green of the Hamilton Ticats. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, last season was your first in the CFL. Did you know much about the Canadian Football League before joining Hamilton? Uh, I know a little bit about it, like very, very little. Uh, I remember when Ricky Williams was up here playing. Right. Uh, a couple other guys came up here and played when I was still playing in the NFL. So I know a little bit about it, but not a lot. 
what was the biggest surprise to you or the hardest thing to pick up with the Canadian rules and style of play? Um, the biggest thing to me was the size of the field. You know, how big it was, how much we, uh, how much, or how far the end zones were, you know, 20 yards instead of 10, and it's much wider, you know. So that was, like, the biggest thing that caught my eye initially. And then just the talent up here, you know, was kind of surprising. Now that In you're... In a good way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I get that a lot from Americans new to the league, surprised at the yep. talent. But, Alex, now that you're in year two, you've already surpassed last season's touchdown total in two fewer games. What's been the biggest change for you, and what advice would you give to other American players that are new coming up? Um, I think the biggest change for me was just as far as adapting to the game, which is understanding uh, you know, the defense because it's different, right? There's more players on the field. Um, and just, you know, just really buying into it. You know, I think once you come up here, you kind of have a sense of, like, a pride because – you know, you think that, oh, well, I come from, you know, the States, and so I come up here like a step down. But in reality, you know, just an, a, another step. It's not a step down or up, just another step of playing football. And so I would just give the advice of just, you know, come up here expecting to play some good football. And, you know, the only difference is going to be is the rules and the size of the field. Other than that, it's still good football. It's still good football, absolutely. So let, let's get to some get-to-know-you type of questions here, Alex. And uh, so let's begin. If you can't, if you couldn't play football anymore, the, the sports gods took that away but said you can play any other sport professionally, what would it be and why? Uh, any other sport professionally? I play basketball. Okay. Uh, I grew up playing basketball. Uh, you know, that's just a sport that, for me, has come easy, you know, uh, and you don't have a helmet on so everybody can see your face. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you can get more sponsor deals with that way, right? Get get to see yeah, the smile. Yeah, exactly. You get more. You get recognized. You know, you I walk like around it. and people know who you are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was kind of envied that. Right. Well, growing up, then uh, now you said you played basketball, but what was your favorite football team and player growing up? Favorite football team was the uh, Detroit Lions. Growing up, I was a big fan of Barry Sanders. Nice. Of course, so I watched them a lot. Did you Charlie Batch, Herman Moore? You know, all those guys. Did you always play running back? Uh, I did not. Uh, I started off playing uh, quarterback. I played quarterback. Oh. I uh, Pop Warner. So from fifth, uh, from fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I played qu- quarterback, and then I played uh, running back in seventh and eighth grade. Then in high school, I played like a slot receiver, and I didn't play running back until my junior year when the running back got hurt. And I just stuck there and, and loved it and played the rest of my season junior year and then finished off my senior. Year. And then kept rolling from there. Wow. So you just kept kept going from there. Yep. Has that been valuable to you playing those other type of positions at, at various levels because you you know what the other positions are supposed to be doing because you've done it yourself? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I gotta do a. Uh, I have to do. I play quarterback, so you know it helped me kind of understand like I know what everybody was doing as far as like the routes what the running back was going and blocking the old line was doing and blocking and then I'm trying to defense and then playing receiver helped me with my route running and you know catching the ball and obviously running back just kind of came natural because all those kind of combined to one right right absolutely what was your nickname growing up uh just AG everybody called me AG just AG nice nice and easy nice okay yeah nice and easy <laughs> yeah just two initials <laughs> in conversation with Alex Green of the Hamilton Ticats. Alex, you grew up in Portland, but went to school in Hawaii. Now, I'm jealous that I've been to Hawaii twice, had my honeymoon <laughs> there, my favorite place on earth. What was your favorite Hawaiian Islander thing to do when you were on the island? All right, bro. Uh, favorite place in Hawaii? Is that the question? Yeah. Uh, the beach, of course. Oh, it was man. the beach. I love being yeah. a go to be a beach bone. Oh. 
you know, let the sun just just drain you away, then you get in the ocean and get it back, and you go lay back in the, in the beach. Man, it was awesome. Oh, absolutely. it was awesome. Man, uh, was was the experience at the at the school? Uh, how was how was that playing football? <laughs> because everybody can kind of do other things because of the weather and stuff. Was it was it, it popular? Was it, was the fan base uh, positive and, and aggressive and all oh, that yeah. And stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, because you know that's the only sports team on the island on the whole island. So they all the, uh-huh. the whole the whole island rally around the team. You know, and once you're there, you know, like the, the, the I mean, everybody, teachers, you go to restaurants, you know. Uh, any kind of store, clothing stores, everybody know who you are, you know, and it's just all support. It's all just family. They take pride out there on, like, it's called Ohana, which means family in Hawaiian. And they just take pride on that. And, I mean, you can feel it. Once you get there, you can feel it's just all love, you know. It gets, it gets, it gets, it gets hard sometimes when you have a losing team, you know, and, you know, the, the, the island, the fans get frustrated. But when you win and then you're rolling, man, they, they really get behind you. Then it feels good. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, so good. Now, Alex, when you're not studying game tape, what do you and your teammates do for fun on road trips, after practice, whatever? Uh, besides studying film and and doing all that, man, yeah. we just you know we just go walk around and just like for me, for most Americans, we go and, and just see the new cities, you know, okay. see yeah. what else uh, what else is out there, in Canada, and you know, hit up a couple couple of malls or whatever, catch a movie or two, and just kind of get out and see what the city has to offer. What's been your favorite? road trip city so far have you have you hit all of them i guess so or you're close to anyway uh most of them yeah most of them. i haven't been to calgary i haven't been to edmonton uh i think that's the only ones i haven't been to um but but my my favorite one is uh bc yeah, yeah. And obviously being close to home too but i just like how it just it just the vibe is just nice there you know the weather is nice it's beautiful you know the mountains and the rivers and all that that is just my kind of scene coming from portland so no, some of, some I'm kind of familiar with. Right, out to Vancouver. A couple more for you here. What's your cheat day meal or dessert? Probably in the off season, right? When you're when you're relaxing, you know, you're taking a little bit of a break. <laughs> right, what, right, what do you go right, to? right. Um, it's back home, man. This place called the Sub Shop. You know, it's like a, it's like they got this teriyaki chicken subs. Man, it's the best thing going. Ooh. I want I want to get some out here. Have some of the guys try, but yeah, that's like my that's like my go. So I go there and I I get some chips and I put the chips in the sandwich, oh. and it's like oh man, it's heaven. The the, the it's melted cheese on a teriyaki beef uh, sandwich, man, it's the best thing that I had ever. Nice <laughs> to be honest, like yeah, it's wow. great. Wow, with chips on it. Okay, I'm gonna have to try that yeah, for the yeah. here. Interesting, interesting. Okay, uh, what's a hobby, skill, or talent you have that fans would not know about or be surprised by? Hobby, skill, or talent? Hobby, skill, or talent? Um, let's see. Besides being uh, like I'm left, like so. Okay, so they say I'm ambidextrous, but like I can write left-handed, but I throw right-handed. You know. Oh. Uh, so that's to me. That's kind of cool. It's something different, yeah. you know. Uh, I love fishing as a hobby. Um, let's see what else. That's pretty much it. My, my main skill, obviously, is football. But that's pretty much it. <laughs> I like that. Hey, you <laughs> throw right, right, left, and uh, and go fishing. That's cool. All right. And yeah, yeah. La- last one for you here, Alex. If you were given a blank check and could visit one place on Earth, where would it be? Ooh. I always wanted to go to South Africa. Oh, I always, always wanted to go and just check it out. Yeah, I wanted to go there and just kind of just be in that environment, be in the culture, and just, you know, 
kind of see how people live. Because I've been a lot of places in America, obviously. I've been to Hawaii and whatnot, but, you know, obviously in Canada. But I, I always had, a, you know, just a, a thing of just getting out there and just kind of taking on your culture. Yeah, check out a totally new part of the world. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Good luck the rest of the season. Really appreciate it. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Big thanks there to Alex Green of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Just three games on the schedule this week, folks. Tiger Cats taking on the Calgary Stampeders. That one at Tim Hortons Field. So that's Saturday. But week 14 starts out in Montreal. Alouettes and the BC Lions. And the previously doormat that were the Alouettes. Well, no more. They've won two in a row. They're ready. Antonio Pipkin. That team is led by the defense, though. Let's, let's not be be anything but that it's not it's not not quarterback driven right now johnny manzel had the flu and for the alouettes it's all defense the bc lions travis lule will start they're adding devier posey how much of an impact is he gonna have in week one this is tight i just cannot keep buying the fact that the alouettes are the real deal and i'll take travis lule versus antonio pipkin or johnny manzel any day of the week give me the lines there the saturday game calgary and hamilton Calgary lost that shootout. Hamilton's at full swing. You know what, man? I'm going Ticats here. I'm feeling bullish on the Ticats. And I think Calgary maybe gets a little rude awakening in mid-September when they head to Tigertown. Then the late game. You can watch all of these on TSN. Of course, Saskatchewan versus Ottawa. Zach Calaris looks like he will also be okay. Calaris versus Trevor Harris. Battle of the former Argonaut backup quarterbacks. You know what? Overall, the Rough Riders are just a better team. Red Blacks can't score. They just seem lost right now. It wouldn't surprise me if the Red Blacks won, but I'll go with the Rough Riders there. You can send me your picks at AndyMC81 on Twitter. That'll do it, folks. Get ready for Week 14. You've been listening to CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network.